You are called for this moment, which means God wants your gifts for these people and these problems. You can trust him that you've got what you need to do the work. Hey, everybody, welcome to the second season of the Faith at Work podcast, where we get the joy of bringing you conversations that discuss how our faith informs our everyday work. I'm your host today, Daniel Small, joined by my friend and a fellow pastor, Courtney Wilson. This season, we've been sitting down with a variety of experts, thought leaders, and working professionals to talk about how to navigate difficult everyday situations at work and how our faith should inform our response. All of this is to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to be people that work with wisdom. Today, we're sitting down with Katie Cole, an author, speaker, and expert in leadership development. Katie has spent the last 25 years serving in local church ministry as an executive director at one of America's largest and fastest growing multi-site churches, a director at Leadership Network, and a founding member of the Women's Executive Pastor Network. Katie has authored Sticky Note Leadership, her best-selling book, Developing Female Leaders, and her latest book, Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days. She speaks at leadership conferences all around the world and is passionate about helping organizations, churches, and businesses thrive. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, Katie, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you both. Of course, of course. Um, So, you know, Katie, you've been at the forefront of leadership development strategy in both businesses and church ministry settings. You've also written books uh, on developing effective leaders, particularly female leaders. And that said, that's really what we want to talk about today is something that's at the heart of leadership development um, is how to identify and understand your gifts, your talents, personality, and how that might inform your vocation and the day-to-day work that that we're doing every day. So yeah, really excited to have you. And um, we also have another guest, but maybe not a guest with us hey. uh, today. Courtney Wilson. Um, unfortunately, our friend Jen Kelly is not feeling well today, but Courtney has graciously decided to step in. And so Courtney, for our listeners who don't know who you are, maybe just give them a little fun fact about yourself. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I am the kids pastor officially at our uh, St. Charles South Elgin campus. I'm also a mom of four kids, uh, and I also sometimes get to teach um, on the stage here at Christ Community as well. Um, fun fact, I spend every weekend yelling at high school and college-age kids while they run around cross-country courses. True story. You're She's repping her Wisconsin... Uh, I am. I am. Big today. tens, yeah. man. We're yeah. waiting, waiting for big tens. So awesome. hopefully we rack up a win tomorrow. Cool. So, well, Katie, we already listed off some of your work accomplishments, but what's one thing about you that someone reading one of your books probably wouldn't know about you? Oh, gosh, I'm pretty open in my books, but I would say a new hobby for me since my son left for college is I have taken up weight training, like with a personal trainer, uh, which I have never done anything like that before. I'm a huge aerobics girl. I've been doing aerobics since, you know, the 90s when it was really cool. I've been doing jazzercise for the last seven years. That's how old I am. But the last year I've been working out in like a real gym with real weights. I have biceps. I've never had that before. So it's been a whole new experience. (laughs) I like listen to podcasts about training. I belong to two gyms. I have multiple shoes. I mean, totally went deep end into the weight training thing. So, uh, yeah, that we'll see how long it lasts, but so far it's been really enjoyable. (laughs) And and how long have you been doing that now? 
Just about a year. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I feel like that's long enough to like, you're like in it now, you know, you're not in the I first few months. I think I'm in it. Like it you're, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it feels more lifestyle-ish. I'm, I am a little addicted. There's more things I want to accomplish. So for a goal-oriented person, this is like a really great structured system for me. Yeah. So yeah. So old awesome. lady gains, I'm in there with all these young bucks working out, you know, lifting people twice my size. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's me. That's what I do for fun these days. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, so yeah, like I said earlier, we're going to take a deeper dive into talking about gifts, talents, personality, um, and as individuals, how that might inform the way we think about our particular vocation and our everyday work. Um, so when it talks, when we talk about a subject like this, though, I want to acknowledge that it can be really hard to know where to begin, right? Mm -hmm. There are a a plethora of books out there on the market about leadership development, finding your voice and like understanding who we are personally as people. Um, but then you stack on that different personality tests. You've got the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder, DISC assessment. I don't know any other ones out there. Uh, working genius. That's another one that just came out recently. Just understanding how we work, um, which I think are all very, very like really good, helpful tools to help us, you know, understand our giftings and our wirings. So, but I, I want to talk about for people that you are working with that are kind of starting at square one. Uh, where do you have them start when you are beginning this conversation with them? Mm-hmm. Great question. And yeah, I love all of those assessments. I'm actually certified in most of them. Uh, I think they're really helpful. They've had definitely impact for me. I use them with a lot of my coaching clients and when I consult with organizations. But I think step one, even even not necessarily someone who's just starting out, but every person, I think the the one The one thing we all have to look to, especially as Christ followers, is really look at the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And what I've seen really kind of lead people astray is it's easy to get a little into assessments that fit our personality or that maybe um, they hit us at the right time in our own development. And so they really spoke to us. And again, all those assessments are great and do feed us a lot of great information. Uh, But there's nothing like seeing yourself in scripture. And there's nothing like going with God's Uh, sort of viewpoint on how he chose to gift people and what he expects people to do with those gifts to really give you a good, solid foundation. Mm -hmm. So no matter who I'm working with, if it's a young leader who's brand new to this, who's never done any assessment, or it's a, you know, really skilled senior pastor or marketplace leader that's been walking with the Lord for 30 or 40 years, I always come back to tell me what your spiritual gifts are, because everything else needs to kind of build off of that. So, um, you know, woo is one of those strengths in uh, strengths finders that everyone loves. It stands for winning others over. I meet all sorts of people who are like, I have the gift of woo. I'm like, I hate to tell you this. That is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> like there's probably an element of that that God gave you. But let's talk about what the spiritual gift and the spiritual fruit we're looking for mm. from that. Mm. It changes the conversation. It changes the tone. Uh, I think on the Enneagram, I really appreciate the Enneagram for a lot of what it has to do. But theologically, Uh, I have a disagreement in the sense that Enneagram really kind of captures a number that describes us, but it's in our pre-salvation sin state, which is not how Christ looks at us as a new creation. So I'm like, the Enneagram is great. Don't tell me what your number is. Tell me what your number in health is. That's actually the vision that God has for you. That's who you're supposed to be. And so define yourself by that. Don't define yourself by your childhood wounds. So just pieces like that can really throw off people's theology and understanding of God and therefore really impact their calling and how they think to use their giftedness if we don't have the right foundation. So 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, your basic spiritual gift assessment that you can get from your church or anywhere online 
design. It's the strongest and best foundational way to get going in this conversation. That's great. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes that makes so much sense. We want to start with scripture and what scripture has to say about mm-hmm. uh, who we are as people, which is the truest thing. That's the truest reality. So I love that. Um, so maybe if you want to riff on that a little bit, I think, um, you know, sometimes uh, it's easy for us, uh, particularly as um, if you're a younger person that, you know, you want to think about this, maybe you're in college or you're in high school, you know, you've got your whole career ahead of you. But maybe for the the person who's 20, 30 years into their career, and they're just entering into this conversation, and they're just starting to think about this, um, could you could you talk about maybe why it's important for that person also to be joining in in this conversation and that they can mm-hmm. start right now where they are? Oh, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, I'm going to be taking assessments about myself in the nursing home. I'm like, I am addicted to trying to understand myself. So every assessment has a great deal of value. But I the most value isn't about what it tells us about it ourselves. It's about understanding who I am in comparison to you and how you view the world. And for those of us, especially who have been uh, maybe uh, walking with the Lord for a while or older in our life and maturity and leadership, particularly, that is the perspective that is the most helped by some of these assessments is that I look at the world this way. This is who I am and how I like to see things, my preferences, my passion areas, the you know, when there's a crisis, I'm going to lead with my gifts and my personality. That's what's going to come to the forefront with a lot of energy. Uh, But I actually also need to know what your gifts and your passions and your talents that you're going to come to the table with, with just as much energy. And it's actually the combination of those things. It's the integration. It's the teamwork. It's that John 17 unity that Jesus prays for us. That's actually where the answer is. That's where the best leadership decision That's where the best strategy, that's where the best approach to a person, that's where the best long-term vision is going to come from when we pull all of those giftings together and give them equal voice and equal sort of tension. It's when there's a win-win in all of our perspectives that we have the best outcome. That's how God designed us to work as a body. And so as we get older, those assessments of what you think is actually way more important to me because the older I get, the more I realize what little I know. And how my perspective is just completely myopic and not enough to actually do what I know God wants to do in this moment, in my business or in my family or at my church or in this ministry moment. I don't have the full perspective on my own. He chooses not to give it all to one person. So I need my community around me and I will know who those people are that I should talk to if I understand who sees the world differently than me that can add color to my understanding of God and this problem that we're trying to solve together. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, assessments can be an easy way to get started in figuring those things out, right? And you even spoke to how I interact with the people around me. Um, Sometimes as a supervisor, you may have some of those assessments on people that you lead or things like that, people Mm -hmm. around you, even in your own family as a parent, your kids. But what are some other ways people can kind of, what are some other avenues maybe that people can understand their God-given design of themselves and maybe of the people that are around them as well. Sure. So assessments are really great and they're helpful because they give us categories to kind of understand ourselves. They build a common language that we can talk to each other and process our own thoughts and feelings about. But the limitation is that they have categories and labels and limit our language to certain things. And so um, I love this question because I do think you almost need to like double click on these assessments and, and realize that God doesn't really fit into a box and he doesn't make any of us to fit into a box either. 
And many assessments, uh, even though some of the research would probably disagree with this in terms of wiring, but most of us uh, either shift a little bit in our gifting or wiring, or we at the very least expand what those options are as we get older. We become more mature. We gain more skill sets. Our view broadens. Uh, we practice more. Our emotional intelligence increases. Our social skills get broadened. Our spirituality hopefully increases. We become more Christ-like. That sanctification process actually builds our ability to have more skill sets and therefore operate in more kinds of giftedness. And so I think part of it is uh, knowing that there's growth attached to it. So making sure I don't label myself or someone else in those spaces. I think the power of relationships and community also is another important way to affirm gifting, particularly spiritual gifts. That's actually in the New Testament kind of lays out for us. Uh, the New Testament doesn't have an assessment. We sort of created one over the years, but the New Testament does say a community will come around you and affirm the gifting that God has placed on you. Mm -hmm. And so having trusted people, uh, trustworthy, not only that they hear from God and have their own kind of life put together, but trustworthy that they can see the best in you and put their own preferences aside to see what God might really be doing. This isn't about projecting. Uh, parents oftentimes can give us great insight, but parents oftentimes can be blinded both by their own goals for us or the things they wish they had in life that they want for us, right? Or the career they should have chosen. They don't want you to miss out on it. So um, when I say trustworthy adult, it's not just trust, trustworthy that they're like good people, but trustworthy voices that will give you a variety of different perspectives and help you uh, really assess spiritual and productive fruit. That's what we're looking for. That's the best indicator to giftedness is actual fruit. Uh, I think the other place is uh, work experience. Um, I love your podcast because I think living out our faith and work is such a huge piece of practicing who we are in Christ. And so uh, supervisors, employee evaluations, the good, the bad, the ugly. I remember the very first time I had a 360 degree feedback yeah, process. Yeah. I was like 28. I was in my first directorship at a university. And I was just, I, I always love getting feedback and, uh, you know, I want to know how I'm doing. I want to know if I can get better. Even at a young age, I'm like, I know I stink at all of this. Tell me if I'm doing anything <laughs> right. And, uh, and then I got this feedback from other people and uh, my boss thought I was awesome. The people I worked with thought I was great. The people who were my direct reports loved following me, but all of the support staff in the organization just thought I was mean and selfish and difficult. Hmm. And I was like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Like, who doesn't like me? Like, how have I missed the, you know, and there's like more than one. How could I, was you? Like, <laughs> I know I was devastated. <laughs> But I mean, the fact that I didn't even know who the people were just shows you I was so laser focused on the task at hand. I knew the people I was responsible to. I knew the people I worked with. I knew the people I was responsible for. And anyone else that didn't fall into one of those categories, I didn't have time for. I just didn't even think about them because I was trying my best to take care of the top priorities that I thought my job was. And I, I was just very task focused. And I missed I missed a whole bunch of people. So I would walk into a meeting and I would blow by four or five secretaries. I didn't understand that they wanted to say hi. I didn't know to come to meetings early and have a cup of coffee with people and hear how their weekend was. I, I didn't even understand that that had value to value everyone on the team. That's how young and immature I was. Mm. But that 360 feedback really changed the trajectory of my leadership and helped me understand how to value people, uh, even that I don't have a direct responsibility for or might not be 
measured against, it was important that I get that kind of feedback. So those are all the different ways that we can start to develop ourselves, grow ourselves, get feedback and, and really hone in on, on the things that God has called us to. And what are the skill sets I need to build in order to be the best I can be at that calling? Yeah, that's so good. And I love what you mentioned about the communal nature of this too, of listening to other voices in your community, people that know you well. Um, I actually did a, a project when I was in college, uh, when I was at Wheaton, and uh, one of the things that I th- I'm trying to remember what class this was for, but basically they had you, s- you had to sit down and interview, I think five people and ask you like, and ask them like, what do you, what do you see in me? Like, what are some of the spiritual giftings you feel like God has mm-hmm. put in my life? What do you, like, what do you see? And I remember having those conversations and they were so enlightening because mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's not even until we ask that we realize and are able to actually name, like people are able to name some of those things for us. And I feel like there were a lot of things that were inside of me that I never really had the language for or never really, I don't know, they were just kind of underneath the surface, so to speak. But then when somebody that I trusted and knew and said, actually, Daniel, you're really good at this and you might not realize it, um, you know, something that I didn't even realize um, was, you know, important or, you know, something that I didn't even realize or name. So you know, as our community groups pastor, I'll just say, maybe start with your community group, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe that's a good place to just have a time where you say, Hey, what are some of the things that we see in each other? I think that could be uh, really powerful and really helpful for, you know, having this kind of, um, this kind of conversation. And then also to the the second point of just practical everyday, you know, experience, sometimes you just got to get your hands dirty and start, you know, trying things. And sometimes that's the best way that you can really begin to learn something. So, um, I love that. Um, so when we're starting to, you know, think about this, um, I, I think, there are small, subtle changes that we can make in our everyday lives. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that we need to pick up our lives, change our job. You know, there might be a time for that where you need to make a significant change in your life, but sometimes it's uh, a small and a subtle shift. And so Katie, I I wonder, like, have you had any stories with anybody where you've seen them make um, maybe a small or a subtle shift in their work or in their life or something that has really helped align them with where they feel like their God gifting um, talents and their abilities, like that, you know, their day to day is able to align with that. Have you seen that um, with anybody? Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's mostly what I do with people all day long is help make those kind of tweaks to align to those calling moments. You know, when we're young and starting out, I just encourage people to say yes to everything because you do like you're just saying you have to experiment with a lot. You have to try on a lot of things. I think especially if you've been in a place where you've done a certain kind of work a long time and people see you a certain way, asking those questions, do you see anything else in me or just knowing it's okay to try something new that you haven't done before. We all need an experimental mindset. We should all be stretching ourselves into things. But as you start to hone in on that and focus, it is easy sometimes to be uh, in a direction where you know you're like, it's mostly good. You know, I want to be content. I don't want to complain, but it doesn't fit exactly right. Like I wish it were tailored just a little different. Or uh, I, I interact with a lot of leaders, particularly in coaching around life planning, where I sense something more, or I sense that God has something more or is going to shift something, or what used to be satisfying to me isn't quite doing it anymore. I wonder if there's more I can do or more I can contribute or something more that I should be doing. And that kind of angst or tension can sometimes cause a lot of disequilibrium and make us worry that I, there's something I need to fix. I would just encourage everyone listening 
Those are very common experiences in your walk with the Lord. And many times that discomfort or those questions happen way before God is ready to make a move with something. And so I encourage people to not uh, overreact to those things. You know, most people, when they have a call from God in the Bible, there's a calling and then there is a very long waiting period before that calling has come to fruition. And we are responsible for very few of the things to make those things happen. Usually what we have to do is stay faithful and keep walking in, you know, one foot in front of the other, walking through the doors that God opens for us, being faithful where we're at. That's usually the guarantee that you will get to where you're supposed to be. Our human nature wants to kind of jump in and take over and like rewrite the the roadmap for ourselves to get to where God has for us. That's like, that's like having Ishmael. That's like way plan B. You don't want to go that route. You just want to stay in there, be faithful, trust that God's going to bring about what God wants to bring about. So one of the things that I see a lot with people is, um, having to kind of reconnect with those primary, again, I come back to spiritual gifts because I just find it's the most efficient way to really hone in on what is God challenging me to do. So I'll just use myself as an example. So my primary gifts, my top gift is administration and then teaching and then encouragement. And so when, um, Uh, For a long time, I tried to be someone I wasn't in certain jobs, but really those are the gifts that God gave me. And I can take those to any job that I have. So when I was a mental health nurse, I organized things. I taught a lot of stuff to my patients and their family, and I tried to encourage them that things were going to get better. When I was a dean at a college, I organized things. I taught a bunch of classes. And I encourage people that things were going to get better when I was a pastor, when I was, you know, I run my own business, when I coach people, when I speak, those are always going to be the things that come out of me. And so if you're, if you're in a job and you feel like you need to tweak something or something isn't right, do an assessment and be like, am I actually bringing my top gifts to this job? Or am I trying to be like the last guy that was here? Or am I trying to be like my bosses? Or am I listening to too many podcasts and I'm trying to be all those other people? Like, I'm whom I'm supposed to be. You know, when I rearranged the parking lot, I did it differently than the guy before me. And so, and I did it differently than the person who came after me. And so you are called for this moment, which means God wants your gifts for these people and these problems. You can trust him that you've got what you need to do the work. So really calibrate that and make sure you're bringing your best gifts and not getting sort of sucked into other people's viewpoints or their um, or their tendencies or trying to be a people pleaser. You have to really honor God. And one way we honor God is by prioritizing the way he gifted us to operate. And then the second part of that is to if there is something stirring in you that you don't get to spend a lot of time on. Like so for me, if someone doesn't want me to bring organization to the chaos or doesn't want me to ever teach anyone something, those are going to be really really hard for me to show up to work every day. And, and so I need to just be prayerfully looking for the other opportunities God wants to give me to either supplement the work that I do or the job that I'm in or expand my role. And sometimes it's as simple as asking your boss for the opportunity to do more of what you're really good at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, that's maybe some something we don't always consider too. Like, just, you know, maybe ask and start with like, hey, uh, actually, this is something I, I really enjoy and I like doing more of. Like, you know, yeah. can I do because I, I feel like, you know, if you're in a in a in a space where, you know, you have a boss that's willing to listen and to understand, like, you know, more than more than likely they they want you to see to see you thrive. And if you're you know, if that's uh, those are the your spiritual gifts and those are the areas that you really thrive in and are able to lean into. Um, I think, uh, I think they'll probably, they'll probably, uh, try to, try to make that happen in, uh, in whatever way they can. 
Yes, this is especially important in work for women, uh, because a lot of times people don't realize the giftings that can be in women because we tend to see them around gender biases or the way we've always thought about women. This happens a lot in ministry. So, you know, if you have a gift that someone's not expecting to be inside of you, it's particularly important for you to actually ask for opportunities. Hey, I think I might have some leadership in me. If you ever have a project that I could lead or I, I really love teaching. If you ever have something, you know, if there's a place I can practice teaching teaching or if you would watch one of my teachings of my small group and give me feedback, you know, all of those things really open up your, your leaders or your community just might not have thought of it before. Or they haven't seen you do it, but that doesn't mean you haven't been gifted to do it and shouldn't be doing it. They just might need some help thinking through the opportunities. Yeah, totally. No, I, I, I love that. I think, uh, yeah, that makes, that makes so much sense. I want to dive a little bit further into like this, the spiritual gifts, uh, side of things. So, um, I know, uh, Sometimes we look at the Bible and we see these spiritual gifts and we might not see, we, maybe we don't see ourselves in the list. You know, Paul gives, Paul gives an example of some different spiritual gifts. And, you know, I know sometimes we read that and we're like, I don't know if I quite fit that. But I think one of the things that was really important for me when I was actually, I think I was talking with uh, one of our pastors, Clayton, about this, but we were talking about how it's just a list. So, you know, the point isn't that it's completely exhaustive or that it's, you know, all of those things, but that it's designed to, you know, Paul is just kind of saying like, whatever your gifts are, use them and discover them. Right. Um, and so, uh, Katie, I'm curious, is there like a specific, even just getting real practical, like a specific spiritual gifts assessment that you have people take or something that you encourage, uh, people, um, to, uh, to use when they're thinking about their spiritual gifts in particular? I do. Let me see if I can find it real quick online. You're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, I don't want sorry. to get the wrong website. We can definitely <laughs> add it to the notes if I can't pull sure, it up here. Sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure I'm not sending some anyone to someplace weird. Nope. I'm going to send you someplace weird. Okay. I'll give that to you <laughs> and cool. we will put it up there. The benign list, the one that will work for almost every church setting. Um, yes. I. The one thing I would encourage people is that most of the time our gifts feel very second nature to us. And they're very easy. And it kind of feels like everyone should be able to do this. Like, can't you just figure that out? Or aren't you just, why don't you just pray for them? Or why don't you just organize that? Or why don't you just explain it this way? It's like, how hard is it, right? If you find yourself not sure of your gifts, but saying things like that to people, like how hard can this be? Well, if it's not you with the gift, it's probably pretty hard. That's a good indicator of where your gifts are. And so um, the gifts assessment, yeah, I don't, I would never want it to be a limiter to people, but I, I will tell you that I have really not ever met anyone in 35 years of doing this that haven't been able to see themselves in at least one or two of those gifts. And most of the time the conversation is, I didn't, I don't really think of that as a gift. Yep. I don't. I, I mean, everyone is as good as I am in this. And it's just a very false view of ourselves. I think Satan loves to kind of make us feel average in the places we're supernatural. And we feel like we want to be supernatural in the places that are just normal, everyday people things. Mm -hmm. And so writing that theologically in our own brain and in our own understanding of our calling is a huge piece of being on mission in the right ways that don't exhaust us and give us great fulfillment and most importantly, make the biggest impact possible. Yeah, that's so good. Mm -hmm. That's so good. So let's talk about that theological lens. First Corinthians 12, when Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and a couple other places, I think one's in Ephesians, you know, he's talking about the purpose of this is so that we're able to actually build up 
the the local church, right? We're actually supposed to contribute. And like you said, I love what you said earlier, that there's a lot of different types of gifts. And Paul makes this point as well. There's a lot of different types of gifts that he has given us so that we can all come together uh, and work together towards actually um, building this. But when it comes to understanding, so when we think about that and applying it to our work, why why is it important theologically for us as as Christians um, for us to be able to actually apply this to our work? Because I think a lot of people understand like, well, I, I get the church, right? Like I get that I need to uh, use my gifts to build with the local church, but why work? Like, why does that, why does that thing matter, right? Could you speak to that a little bit? Oh, sure. So, I mean, Paul is pretty clear, especially like Ephesians 4, is I think what you're referring to is uh, we're given gifts to the body to or we're given gifts to edify the body. That's our primary reason. It's not actually to make money and have a career. It is actually to edify the body and move the kingdom forward. And so that means how I treat my family, how I treat my neighbors, how I treat my brothers and sisters in the Lord, whether they're in my church or other places. That's one of the first things I look at. Um, the second is they're they're made to serve others. They're not made to serve ourselves. And so even as we go about work, I'm always on a mission to look for where are the other people of the body? Like, where are my brothers and sisters in Christ? And is there a spiritual gift I can bring to them to encourage them in their work, to supply them that we can actually be the be the church and be God, Jesus's body in our workplace? That becomes a really important, you know, as a Christ follower, that's really our primary mission is to carry out the gospel and the light of Christ into every place that we take it. And work is a huge part of our life. We spend more hours at work in the course of our life than in any other domain or with any other people. So this is a really big part of our calling is how we live out the gospel in our everyday life at work. Now, that doesn't mean we're, um, you know, setting up on this corner at the cubicle preaching all the time or trying to start small groups everywhere. Like those things are fine. But we're talking about being that fragrant offering of being a light in a dark place, of uh, treating people differently, of being able to come together and banding with one another to support each other in that. Um, so when it comes to using our spiritual gifts, that's the first thing is we have to remember we're there to edify the body and we're there to encourage and represent Christ well. And they have supernatural impact. And so when we leverage those in our job, you get more bang for the buck, right? You do one little inch and God gives you a mile. You can work outside your giftedness if you want. It just is a lot harder and takes a lot more time. And you're a lot more tired at the end of the day. So it's efficient to live in the spaces that God made you the most productive and especially the most spiritually productive. I would say sometimes uh, for people, there are certain gifts that are more forward facing um, gifts. And I would say if you kind of study culture and um, how uh, society functions, there are different waves and different priorities that culture has on certain kinds of gifts. We're in a very high leadership space now. We have been for about the last 30 or 40 years. And so in society and in churches, we've really prioritized leadership gifts, prophetic gifts, teaching gifts, apostleship gifts. That's not going to be that way in the next 50 years. In fact, some of the shakeup we're seeing in the church is because our culture has shifted away from those gifts and the church is not paying attention. The, our culture now is looking for more of those softer skills gifts. So gifts of intercession, gifts of mercy, gifts of shepherding. Those are the skills that are going to be the commodity of the future. So I grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, and my gifts easily aligned with what was celebrated in any workplace, in any church. And so I was able to rise to the top. I was the only woman to rise to the top of my church. I got promoted. I got free scholarships to go to college. I didn't pay for any degrees because my gifts lined up with my culture. But because I knew the Bible, I knew that that was just happen chance. That wasn't anything about me. That was just how God wired me, 
happen to line up with what my culture prioritized right now. But I'm having to learn some new gifts to lead into the future. It's collaborative. It's team. It's honoring of people. It's not dictatorial. It's not hierarchical. And so uh, as we do that, if you've got those gifts that maybe you felt have not been as easily celebrated or it's been hard for you to find a career that really lines up with it, it is about to be your time because that is what everyone is looking for now. You know, something interesting that you just said, you said, I'm going to have to learn to use new gifts. Talk about that a little bit, because I think we think we get locked into like, mm-hmm. this is what the assessment says. Uh, and so this these are my spiritual gifts. But you just use the term like, I, I'm going to yeah. have to learn new gifts. Talk about that. Well, I, I think sanctification is an ongoing process. And I think the goal is to become more and more like Christ. And in Jesus's life, we see every gift on display in full tilt. So that means the more I become like Christ, the more gifts I'm able to add to my repertoire. Now, I have to be hungry for it. I have to pray for it. I have to look for it. And every gift shows up in an immature way. So the first time I tried to pray, I was not very good at it, but I've been working on it for 30 years. It's not my primary gift. But like prayer and intercession has become one of the gifts for me. It doesn't show up all the time. I sometimes do it and God does nothing with it. But then there are moments where I know God is calling me to pray in this moment and I will step into it and God will do something special. And it's happened enough times now that it's not a, I don't think it's a one-off. I think it's a gift that he's adding to my toolbox because of he's called me to lead in today's day and age. And he's not going to send me out there ill-equipped. If he calls me, he's going to equip me, but I have to want it. I have to know, I have to be smart enough, like the men of Iskar. I have to understand the times and know what is needed. And so all of us as believers, we have to know who we are, know what we're called to do, understand the community and the context in which we're serving, and then ask God to give us what we need. It's not even a gift I can give myself. I can't even learn the skill of prayer. It's a supernatural event, yeah, right? right? But I trust God's going to give it to me so that if he ever calls me to do it, I'll be ready for it. And so far that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so interesting because I think a lot of us think of like when we're born, we're like fixed like there's somewhat of a fixed nature to these gifts in which like I have been given these three and like that is the way it is for the rest of my life. But the fact that, um, you know, I think when Paul says to Timothy, like fan into flame your gifts, there's Mm -hmm. this idea that actually they, there are maybe things that are, uh, need to be unlocked and that only can be unlocked by the power of the Holy spirit. And actually, like you said, praying for those things and leaning into those things a Mm -hmm. little bit more. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, one of the most important things is uh, the uniqueness of our spiritual gift matters a lot, but that all sits on the universal calling to be a servant. Jesus never came and said, we should be leaders. He didn't, he came and he said, we should be servants. And so if I have the gift of teaching, I'm a servant teacher. If I have the gift of leadership, I'm a servant leader. If I have the gift of intercession. I'm a, I'm a servant intercessor. And so that's really the foundation. If you pursue servanthood, then you do need extra tools because people need new things from us. And so that's the heart behind it. We have to be careful. We aren't demanding of things. We're actually coming at it with a hunger to serve just like Jesus served. That's good. Yeah. I think that's the, that's been a theme on this podcast in general. And this, in this season, I feel like one of the things we've talked a lot about is what does it look like ultimately for us to serve? And when we ask that question, what does it look like for us to serve our workplace? What does it look like for us to serve our community? Where are the holes and where are the gaps that God is putting on our hearts 
And how can we pray for gifts to meet those needs? Wow, I think that's, yeah. that is really powerful um, mm-hmm. and, and changes kind of our perspective and our mindset around, you know, like, well, instead of saying, well, I think it's just fixed and I think this is the way it is and I'm not the person for the job, you know, right? <laughs> but if God has put that <laughs> desire on your heart, like that's that's a thing, you know, yeah. like there's, there's a reason I feel like that God has put that sort of thing on your heart. And so... Um, I think that's important for us to, to consider. And I think a really, uh, really helpful, uh, reframing of that idea. So, uh, Katie, I think, I think that idea makes a lot of sense. I think what I want to do here is just go, uh, one step further. And, um, like we were talking about earlier, like there's this idea that we need to, uh, to fan into flame our gifts, right? We actually need, need, uh, for, you know, some of these things to come into uh, fruition. So I guess, could you maybe just talk a little bit more about what does, what does that look like? What does that look like for somebody to actually fan into flame some of their gifts? And that can be um, a spiritual gift, right? You can focus there, but also uh, maybe even at, even at work, if there's like a skill or something that they really, somebody wants to really, um, you know, grow and develop, what does that, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Great, great question. Well, I think, you know, knowing that we have more options and that we're going to grow, like even Jesus is described as growing in wisdom is in stature, right? Like we all need to grow. We're going to grow continually. That's, that's one of the goals about being alive is to continue to become more Christ-like. But one of the most important ways we do that is not by going inward and not by isolating and not by going off in my little corner and reading my book as much as I want to do that. That gives us good head knowledge. But when we're really talking about growing from the inside out and not only character, but expressions of the Holy Spirit and uh, understanding greater gifts and stretching my concepts of God and what's possible in the kingdom and what's possible in me, that really requires community, but not community like we might think of it, especially in the Western world. It's community that's diverse. It's the complexity of the body. And one of the challenges we have, um, especially in kind of modern American Christianity, is that we bring people into spiritual formation processes and we connect them through affinity because that's what helps people feel like I belong here. I feel safe here. I can be vulnerable here. It's actually a really important part of early steps of spiritual formation. The challenge is we have not been very good at actually moving people from affinity into diversity. And diversity is where spiritual growth actually accelerates. And so when you start putting different kinds of people together, when you don't just have everyone with the gift of prayer and they're going to do another small group on prayer study and they've done 42 others and they're really irritated, you don't have something deeper for them on prayer, but they're like doctoral level prayer people, right? They know every scripture, they've studied it all. They know all the big names and all the small group curriculum and they do a great job praying. The challenge is in that affinity, we feel very safe. We feel very protected. And God is a very safe, and understandable God. But we know the Bible, that is not who God is. He is not understandable. You cannot put him in a box. You cannot figure him out. And so when we embrace and engage in the diversity of the body as God sees the body of Christ, when I meet someone from a different country who grew up in a totally different expression of their love for Jesus than I did, when I experience worship that is totally using a different set of gifts and words and volume and moves that I am not comfortable with any of these things. And yet I see Jesus in the hearts and the eyes of these people. My understanding of God expands when I uh, meet with high capacity. I mean, like high, high capacity business people that absolutely intimidate me. And they have way more money than I ever think is possible to have in a bank account. And they start talking to me through tears about what Jesus has done in their heart and how they're leveraging their role in the kingdom 
on his behalf to help people. I am moved by the capacity that God has to bring restoration to the world. Like these guys are talking about how to end hunger in our lifetime. Those are the problems they're solving. I'm like trying to figure out how to make pumpkin bread by the holidays on time. (laughs) Right. And so my, my, my mind about what God calls us to, or what he might be calling me to, what if I'm thinking too small? Hmm. What if I'm stuck in a box? What if I only like to talk with people who like to talk about things I like to talk about? And we just listen to each other's podcasts and read each other's books and say all the same things in different ways. What if we're missing what we could really be doing? So diversity, especially in today's context, there is a reason God gave us the internet. We can connect with anyone in the world. You can connect with anyone in the world. There's never been a moment in history where God's body could actually communicate with each other even through different languages, even through every different barrier that has kept us apart, we can access it now. If we don't embrace that, we're going to miss being the answer to Jesus's prayer in John 17. When he's, you know, he's with his disciples at the very end of his life, he prays out loud in front of them, which he almost never does. He almost always goes off by himself to pray, but he stops and prays out loud in front of them and he prays for them and he prays for the world. And then he prays for us, the disciples yet to come. And he looks into the future. He doesn't play for strategy. He doesn't pray for more faith. He doesn't pray for more donors. He doesn't pray for more workers. He doesn't pray for more buildings. He doesn't pray for more relevant, you know, being uh, like relatable. He doesn't pray for any of those things. He prays for unity, that we would be one like he and the father are one, because that's what actually helps us live fully into the bigness of who God is and into the bigness of the callings that he has for us. We are in a unique time and place. Like if we are called to follow Christ right now, and if you are in any sort of position of authority over anyone, your kids, a company, a church, a business, a neighborhood, whatever, there is a reason you are here. We're we're in the moment when God is going to do something miraculous. And I want to stretch myself to be able to be a part of it. I don't want to be someone who looked back and said, that was really cool what he did over there. I kind of missed it. I want to be like smack dab in the middle yeah, of it. Overwhelmed, absolutely. unsure, flying by the seat of my pants. I'm like, at least if we're going out, we're going out that way. So <laughs> that's, that's our opportunity. And I think God is continuing to reveal how big he is if we choose to engage in people who love him, who are different than us. That's awesome. I, if I could stand up and clap right now, that's how I feel in my heart. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this is why yes. I'm so passionate yes. about what you're doing is because yes. when the the number one place to find that is in the workplace. Yeah, right. It's not mm. in our churches. It's not in our families. Those are people who are like us already. Mm. But the workplace is the most diverse place in the world. Yeah. I wish it were the church. What I want is for the church to be the most diverse place. That if you wanted to see how big God is, go to a local church. But the reality is that's not where it is. But the body alive and active in the workplace is where we are beginning to see God create great works of movement. And that's, that's why we have to be on mission. That's why we have to know who we are as Christ followers, what our calling is, and then go live that out every day and reveal God's bigness to the people around us. So good. And I think of, I think of that verse in John where it talks about by your love for one another, 
people will will know me as a result of that. And when you I, I, when you think about the beauty of that in a moment when there's so much tension between, and there's so much tribalism between like mm-hmm. my tribe, your tribe, this group, that group. And for us to think about the body of Christ as actually this being this like diverse group of people, we're actually able to say like, you know what, you and I, we don't see the same, but we're un- united under the same banner of Christ. There's something so powerful about that. And I think um, that is, there's something, yeah, really, really beautiful about that. Um, yeah. In John 17, Jesus actually says that unity is what will make unbelievers know right. how much mm-hmm. God loves yes. them. Yes. Okay, like he's like, that's the it's answer, by the way, yeah. not your strategy, but like when you show up to work, I would challenge everybody. This is what I try to challenge myself with is God, give me one opportunity this week to use my gifts to edify the body in my workplace. Mm. Like Mm. even just one, if every week you just prayed for one opportunity to use your anointed spiritual gifts to edify a brother and sister in Christ in your workplace experience, that's 52 in a year. Like Mm. imagine what could happen over the course of five or 10 or a 40 year career. If you just did it one time a week, just once. Yeah. It could be revolutionary. Yeah. Such a simple spiritual practice. Yeah. Like something so simple, but I think really practical and really helpful. So for our listeners, if you're looking for uh, ways to minister to the people in your workplace this week, there you go. Pray just for for one way to use your spiritual gift this week to be able to bless somebody else and just watch what God does and see how he works in and through you. Wow. I, I love that. Katie, thank you so much for uh, bringing your wisdom uh, to this on this uh, subject. I feel like there's uh, there's even more, there's a lot more that we could talk about, but um, for the sake of time, I, I think we'll, we'll end there. And I think, um, yeah, you've given us a lot of really good things to think about, especially as we're thinking about this is not just something that is useful for me, but it's designed for me to be a blessing to the people around me, designed to be a blessing to the people in my workplace. Um, so for our listeners um, who are interested in, in just diving into your work and, and learning a little bit more from you, um, where where can they find you? Sure. The best place to find me is through my website. It's my name, Katie Cole, K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E.com or on social media at Katie Cole. Great. Well, thank you so much, um, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Faith at Work podcast. Our conversations happen every other week. So in two weeks, you can expect to hear another interview to help you think critically about the intersection of faith and work in creative and inspiring ways so that we can be people who demonstrate wisdom in the workplace. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas, or maybe a joke to workpodcast at ccclife.org. Lastly, tell your friends that the way they work matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you soon.